Welcome to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Morning Devotion. You always make my day when I see you start to join in. Lasagna, Donna, Barbara, Elaine, Martha, Don, thank you. Thank you for being a part of this each and every morning, just to come together and say, this is the day the Lord has made. And what a great morning it is. Thursday morning, October 15. For all you late tax filers, oh yeah, this is your day. I hate to, I, I, it's like, oh, that's a terrible thing to say in the morning, isn't it? I'm sorry. I, I Forgive me, forgive me. So I'm sure all of you, though, this this bunch, you've already got it all done. You know the drill. Like the page, share the page, follow the page. Thank you for being a part of this. Alice, Tiffany, Edith, Kathy, thank you. Thank you on this Thursday morning for what the Lord has done. I, I had a mentor tell me years ago, years ago, uh, I was a young, a young man, still sort of a young man. I mean, compared to the Jurassic era. And I, um, he told me something. He said, you know, Ken, the older I get, the less I worry about sins of commission and I focus on the sins of omission. I thought that a very curious thing, and and but I kept that. I've kept that in my mind, in my heart, in my spirit all of these years. And early this morning, I woke up, and I this thought was just rolling over in my mind, a thought that just would not leave me. So I'm just going to be incredibly selfish today. I'm going to share this thought with you because I can't stop thinking about it. It's like a song you get stuck in your head. Seriously, it's just something that's been on my heart for a while, and and uh, quite often I wake up with these thoughts and, and just feel directed, and I feel directed to this today. I've already looked into my own heart this morning and thought, how am I going to react to what is being said today? And I suspect you will do the same. I, I hope you know I'm not trying to activate that judgy, harshy voice of condemnation inside of you that never yet has done anything for anybody. But I do want this to be eye-opening, and I want you to find the grace to address this and allow something to be awakened in you. Maybe this is just for one person on the devotion. It may just be for me, or maybe it's for all of us. And uh, But once you hear this, I suspect something dormant is going to come back to life, some dream, some desire, some hope. And I pray this is the case. A most common sin for believers. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you're just joining us, be sure to share the page, follow the page, like it. And let's see what the Lord has for us this morning. As I said, the older I get, I too tend to focus more on the sin of omission than commission. Norman Vincent Peale was a delightful person, pastored in what was called America's Hometown Church in Manhattan, probably most known for his book, The Power of Positive Thinking. A lot of optimism, a lot of confidence in your abilities. And that was a very needed message through the Second World War and following. There's an interesting story about Peale, though, when he was a little boy. He was walking down a street in Ohio where he was raised when he spied a brand new cigar laying on the sidewalk. Apparently someone had dropped it out of their pocket and he hurried, picked it up 
went into an alley, found a match, lit it, and tried to smoke the cigar. It tasted terrible. He didn't like it, but it made him feel grown up. So he's strutting down the street with his cigar. When lo and behold, he looks up and here comes his father. And um, he puts the lit cigar behind his back and tries to act real nonchalant and and trying to distract his dad, he pointed to a billboard across the street advertising a circus coming to town. He said, Dad, can we go? Can we go? Let's go to the circus when it comes to town. And his father's response was immediate and insightful. He said, Son, never make a petition of me while at the same time trying to hide a smoldering disobedience. It was a lesson Peel never forgot that all too often requests to the Father go unanswered because we're hiding a smoldering disobedience. Oh my, oh my, is everybody doing okay out there? Hope, are y'all doing okay? Jonathan, Lillian, are you okay out there right now? Do we need tourniquets and triage? I This is an issue, and it goes to the heart of who we are as believers and who we could be and the possibilities. When we think of the Gospels, the four books that tell the story of Jesus, we think they're somewhat tame, and we like to hang out in the Beatitudes and think we would like to pal around with Jesus and maybe get involved in those miracles. But I I think we are deluded sometimes when we think that he was meek, mild, and lowly. Oh, no. Jesus called for a radical obedience, an obedience so radical that it turned people away. Do you remember that one time he spoke about eating the flesh and drinking the blood of the Son of Man and the multitudes abandoned him? There were some hard sayings of Jesus. In fact, one of my favorite Bible scholars, F.F. Bruce, New Testament scholar, wrote a book on the 70 teachings, the 70 hard sayings of Jesus that challenged the status quo. They went to the heart of man's selfish soul. I'm not going to mention all 70 of them, but things like plucking out the right eye, turning the cheek, adultery in the heart, divorce and remarriage. He didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. Sabbath for man, not God. Many called, few chosen, sinning against the Holy Spirit, being perfect, looking back, taking up the cross. These were hard sayings. It's some rough stuff, the hard sayings of Jesus. I I went through all 70 of them this morning and just looked at it. And I think they're rooted in a very common sin, or at least many of them are. It's not the seven so-called deadly sins, pride, greed, wrath, Envy, lust, gluttony, or sloth. It's not the sins that we were warned about growing up. I was warned about all sorts of sins. I don't know about you, but I can't tell you how many sermons I heard about uh, not taking the mark of the beast and missing heaven. And I, I know we need to be prepared for that. But, you know, there's probably a few more things I should have heard growing up that would have helped me than that. It reminds me growing up that the schools taught all of us the all-important skill of what to do if we were ever caught in quicksand. I really thought quicksand was going to be a much bigger problem for me as an adult than what it's been. I think other things should have been taught, you know, like reading, writing, and arithmetic. I, I don't know. A common sin we believers face is not some deep, dark, diabolical issue. It's in the realm of obedience specifically, are you ready? Buckle up, buckle up. We are educated 
way beyond our level of obedience. And that's a serious concern to me. We look into the mirror of God's word, see ourselves, but then walk away unchanged. We receive a word from God. We get direction. We know what to do, but we take that word, put it on the shelf to gather dust. A word for a moment in our lives that goes unheeded. I once heard a preacher say that when God tells us to do something, he waits for us to do that before he will tell us anything else. I'm not sure if that's exactly the case. I know God is merciful, but I am sure that God knows the many, 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 many times that we have not followed through on obedience to him. Paul said that there should not be many teachers amongst us. Why? Such is the greater condemnation. There is a double standard. It's a higher standard that the more you and I learn of God and the more we know of God and share of God, the more that our lives should reflect what God has invested in us, that with revelation comes responsibility. Our God is so long-suffering, and I'm thankful for that. He not only tells us what to do, when we don't do it, he reminds us what we should have done. Can I get a witness to that again and again and again? It's like Gideon when God told Gideon to do something, you know, he's, we're going to do the wet fleece and then we're going to do the dry fleece and we're, he's going to speak and he's going to speak again. That God will direct us again and again until we grasp what he has told us and we follow through. I don't know if you remember a political lobbyist a few years back named Abramoff. He was in a disgrace scandal. And I read a statement, though, that he made about it. He said, God sent me a thousand hints that he did not want me to keep doing what I was doing. I didn't listen. So God set off a nuclear bomb. A thousand hints, a thousand nudges. God knows our frame. He knows that we fight doubt and fear. He knows we get anxious and that we need assurance and reassurance. But I circle back that the common sin for many believers is that we are educated way beyond our level of obedience. I love the story of Manoah in the Bible, Samson's dad. An angel appeared to his wife. We don't know her name and uh, said, you're going to have a child. A boy, an unusual boy. He's going to be raised as a Nazarite. In fact, I'm going to ask you to be a Nazarite as well. That's what the angel tells her. She's so grateful. Raises to her husband, Manoah. And Manoah immediately believes. Oh, wow, I love that. He just believes, but is puzzled by the commandment that there's how their son is going to be raised as a Nazarite. And so in prayer, he said, God, would you send that angel again? I've got some questions about how we're supposed to raise this child. So one day while uh, while the while his wife was in the field, an angel appears and she said, you got to see my husband. And she walks with the angel through the field to the house. And what a walk that must have been. Oh, wow. Walking with the angel of promise. Oh, praise God. And she introduces the angel to her husband, Manoah, and to the man's credit. He didn't say, is this really going to happen to you? Is it really going to happen? And can I see your bona fides and your credentials? Uh, He he just immediately says, I just want to get this right. Tell me how to raise this child. Tell me how to raise it. I know you told my wife, but could you tell me again, how do I raise? I want to know. 
God knows our frame. He knows we're just dust. And so he will speak. And like with Jonah, when he ran from God and disobeyed what God had revealed to him, I read the word of the Lord came a second time. Eventually, though, no matter how merciful God is, what God asks us to do, we've got to step into that realm of obedience. We are educated way beyond our level of obedience. And it's a common sin for we apostolics. Oh, my. Oh, my. It was the mark of the early apostles, and it's one of the things when you read the Gospels, I don't know if it impresses you, but it just leaps off the page at me. It was just a mark of the early apostles. In fact, the Gospel of Mark uses the word euthaios over 40 times, euthaios. It means straightway, straightaway, immediately. In fact, the Gospel of Mark has been called the Gospel of Immediacy that when the apostles were called, they dropped their nets and they followed immediately. No hesitation, immediate action. Mark Batterson, one of my favorite Christian authors, he, he, he once said most Christians are educated way beyond the level of their belief, of the level of their obedience already. We don't need to know more. We need to do more. We need to act immediately and not delay. Psalm 119, 105 says the word of God, it's this lamp unto our feet and it's a light unto our path. That lamp that you see depicted behind me, that imagery is important, I believe. That there is a lamp means it's nighttime. That there is a lamp means it's darkness on the outside. And we need to know this for our day. Otherwise, you wouldn't have a light. It's a lamp to our feet. Holding up that oil lamp, it's not like a torch. You can see a thousand feet into the future. It's a lamp to my feet. I can see the immediate step. It illuminates my next step. And when I take one step, the light will reveal even the next step. It's the same way in our walk with God. God tells us the next step. He shows us the next step. But until the next step becomes a now step until we obey what he's already told us to do. We can't have light for the second step. We want to see a thousand miles into the future, but God is just saying, will you focus on doing what I've already asked you to do? Is that great? Can I get a witness to that? And so we read in James, and here's the incumbency, and here's the urgency. We read in James that if to him who knows what to do, but doesn't do it, that delayed obedience becomes a most common sin amongst believers. Jesus said, if you, in the Sermon on the Mount, if you hear what I'm telling you and you don't put it into practice, you're going to be like the foolish man who's building a house, but you're building it on sand. I've given you some word that needs to be obeyed. And if you don't do it, when the storm comes, the house is going to fall with a great crash. And I think this is the temptation. It's the temptation for all believers. I mean, it's the temptation for those of us who were raised in this thing. Is that we're so filled with the word of God. We're so filled with good things. And the temptation is for us to just say, I want a little bit more. I want to hear more. Please give me some more. Tell me some more and more, more. I want more messages. I want more sermons. I want more services. I want more word. I want more, 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 more. Nothing wrong with that. If the level 
of obedience rises to the level of our knowledge. You see, our problem is we pile on knowledge and we learn new things that go unapplied. We grow educated far beyond our level of obedience. We don't really need to know more. We need to do more. In fact, what I hear places a burden on my shoulder. I've heard I need to put it into practice. I, let me just stop here. I, I had, a, I had a, a guy that visited my church. It was a number of years ago, and um, he had been around Pentecostal churches, had never really been in the church, but had been a part of many, many growing nonprofit and Christian organizations, had been quite successful. He came in and to our services three or four weeks in a row and uh, while he was in town. And I'll never forget what he told me um, when he was getting ready to leave town, go back home. He said, Pastor, I need to tell you something. My observation of these church folks, he said, they're wonderful folks. They love God. It's obviously they love God. I can feel the presence of the Lord here like I don't feel in other churches. And I'm so thrilled. He said, but can I tell you the greatest fear you should have for this church. I said, tell me, tell me, You, I, I appreciate your observations. He said, the greatest fear I see for your church and for apostolic churches is y'all know so much. Y'all know so much. Do you know to whom much is given, much is required? That our level, and I, I can't get away from it. He said, I, what I hear in one service gives me a task list that will take me three and four months to accomplish. I just, I just hit my heart. That hit my heart. I, I want to I wanna be a good shepherd who feeds people, but I also want to make sure there's enough application. There's a checklist. There's a question on the end of this thing and say, before I can take my next step, I've got to take my now step. Here's what I must do. I, I know. I, and so let me, let me just talk to you believers just a moment. You and I know how a person has to be born again. And after we experience, what should that knowledge do? Well, with many of us, it gives us a desire to learn more about the new birth process and information. And I'm good with that. And I agree with that. But shouldn't our knowledge also cause us to go tell somebody else? Shouldn't it cause us to go into all the world and preach that gospel? What about this? We were taught early on that God can heal. We've seen God do that. And after we learned that, what should it do for us? Well, we should turn to God when we're sick, absolutely. But could it also mean that we're to be mindful of people around us? And when we hear them expressing their difficulties and their fears and their sicknesses, these signs shall follow them that believe that if we really believe God's a healer, we will say, would you let me pray with you? You see, a most common sin is we know what to do. We know a lot of things about what to do, but we just don't do it. And that that shortfall, that gap, frankly, it's hurting us. It's damaging us. It's keeping us from being the people we need to be. God's merciful, though. One of the Lord's parables that I really love, it's often called the parable of two sons. The setting of the parable is when God is confronted with the religious folks, objecting that tax collectors and prostitutes are following John the Baptist and Jesus, but the religious folks are offended by it. Jesus said, a father went to one son and said, son, go work today in my vineyard. And the son said, I will not. 
I will not. The father goes to the second son and says, son, go work today in my vineyard. And the second son said, okay, I'll go. Now, Jesus said that the first son who refused to go later thought about it, said, my dad's been good to me. He repented and he went into the vineyard. The second son who said he would go just didn't go. Some of us disobey the Lord at first when God asks us to do something hard and something great or even something easy. We just say, God, I can't do that. I can't do that. But later, our heart convicts us. It smites us. And we begin to think, when I think about the Lord, how he saved me, how he raised me, how he brought me out. Oh, my. Oh, my. We say, I'm going to go do it. In other words, God told us there's a delay and we step into the field. Others of us disobey not by delay, but by saying at first, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this. God, I got this. Don't worry about it. And then we fail to live up to our promises. Disobedience, said Dietrich Bonhoeffer, comes in a variety of disguises. It can appear as indifference, disruption, restlessness, rebelliousness. We can settle on one area or this or that. He said, as the Pharisees did, they became super religious in one area, and we ignore the weightier matters of the law, like doing truth, loving justice, and walking humbly. Camping out on one area of God's word is a form of disobedience. We need to declare and obey the whole counsel of God and to grow in faith and to be everything he means for us to be. Let me let me wrap this up here in the last minute or two. I love what Amy Carmichael once said. She said, when you look into the Christian realm and you see so much shallow living, so much talk, and so little obedience. The reason for that is few of us are prepared to be like the pine on the hilltop, alone in the wind for God. You see, obedience is a lonely path. Obedience may carry you down a path where you have to say, you know, my so-called friends, you're really not my friends. It may take you down a path where you've got to stand taller. You've got to stand higher. You've got to be alone in gale force winds, standing for God. I want to encourage you here. I need to encourage you. I believe that the most common sin that believers face is that we're educated way beyond our level of obedience. But we don't need the obedience of a soldier with just a sense of duty. We don't need just the obedience of an employee that gets paid to do things. We don't need the obedience like that. We need the obedience of someone who's fallen in love with the Lord, who would say, I would do anything to please God. At first, Lord, when you ask me, I just can't do it. I say I can't do it, and I fall back on that. But the more I think about you, Lord, and how good you've been to me, I'm going to do what you asked me to do. We don't need more hearing. We need more doing. So I'm going to ask you a question. What is that area in your life where God is speaking to you? Where has he nudged you again and again, but still you haven't followed through? Would you obey today? Because until you take that first step, the lamp 
cannot reveal the second step at your feet. An unanswered prayer may be the result of extinguishing that smoldering disobedience. Oh, praise God. Oh, praise God. I hope you've been blessed by this today. Thank you for being a part of this family. Share it with someone. Follow the page. Let's make it through this thing together. And let's be the people that God wants us to be in this last day. Please leave your prayer request out to the side and everyone circle around and encourage one another. God bless you. Look forward to seeing you again tomorrow. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Join us next time for another inspiring devotion. To support this ministry, please visit firstchurch.com forward slash give.